Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. We have multiple locations, including an online service found at gethope.tv. If you're not from the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina or near our Agape campus in Haiti, we'd love to still have you be a part of what Hope is up to through our online services. If you do live in our physical area, go to our website at gethope.net to check out where our campuses are located and our service times. Please like and share this with your friends or family. We are so glad you stopped by. Well, I just want to give a a special shout out to those of you that are watching online this weekend. We are so glad you are with us. And those watching at one of our other campuses, uh, thank you guys for being here too. And those of you that are here at Raleigh with us live tonight, thank you guys for being here. We are in week five of our series called DNA. Now, some of you, if you've been around Hope for a while, maybe you're thinking, you know what, Donnie, I haven't heard these things before. Is this new stuff? It really, it really isn't. This is what we have always been about. This is really who we are at Hope and who we've always been. Now, we know there's been a lot of change that has happened this past year right across our entire planet, and we've experienced a lot of change here at Hope. And that's why we thought this would be a good time to kind of walk through a series of the whys behind what it is that we do. Now, I've been here for 12 years, right? But I know that for the 27 years at Hope Community Church has been Hope Community Church. The things that we are talking about, these values, these are the things that have driven the decisions that we've made, the ministries that we have, the whys behind the what. And so we wanted to give you guys a chance really to connect and realize and recognize we are not changing as a church. And in fact, these are the things that make hope, hope. And so there's just a quick recap. Week one, we talked about that we lead with big faith. And what that means for us is that we always want to be a part of something that is so big that it is, it's destined to fail unless God shows up. And what we know with that is that we know there's a, a fine line that we walk, right? But it's between testing God and trusting God. And you can go back and listen to Chase. He did an incredible job in week one with that. Week two, we talked about the value. We live grace and truth. And I think that is best modeled in our mission statement that we love people where they are. That is grace. But then we encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. That is all about truth. The truth of Jesus, the truth of the gospel, the truth of the Bible that helps us to become more and more like Jesus in our lives. Now, week three and week four are kind of two sides of the same coin, right? Week three, we talked about we exist to equip the church, those that are a part of hope, right? We want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. But the other side of that, we talked last week about we exist for those who aren't here yet, right? And so just as important as those that are inside the church and a part of hope are those that are on the outside and a part of hope as well. And so this weekend, we're going to address one of our, our values that really kind of spans and, and really is, is seen in everything that we do here at Hope. And it's this, we strive to be relevant and effective. Now, I know some of you are asking questions like this. Well, what does that mean, Donnie? What, what does that mean to be relevant, relevant and effective? Right? Is that even a biblical thing for us to, to talk about and, and to pursue? And who decides what's relevant and who decides what's effective? Well, I'm so glad you asked those questions, right? Because I have answers to them. And so it's perfect that you asked us. Now, this is kind of a tough one, right? As we unpack this value, because it really is a lot more subjective than it is objective. Right? And so we're, there's, it's really hard for us to define. But here's what we're going to do. Let me give you a question that we have always asked here at Hope. And this is a question that we use on a regular basis to help us. It's kind of one of our evaluation markers for how we're doing as a church. And here's what the question is. If we shut the doors, would our community notice? 
Right? If we stop doing weekend services, would our community around us, would they, would they notice? Or would they drive by and go, it seems like there's less traffic on a Sunday morning, right? Did that used to be a Walmart? I don't even know what that, what was that building? Or if our middle school ministry shut down, would our community notice? Would parents feel that? Would our school system, would they feel that loss? If we stop doing marriage ministry, right? Would marriages and families in our community, would they be impacted by that? Because if not, then we're probably not relevant or we're not effective or, or maybe we're not being both. There's really been a lot of examples in, in companies, right? And in products that have been created and marketed and put out there. Many that are relevant, but not effective. I, I found a few of these that uh, I thought were good examples. Here's the first one, uh, lawn darts. It's truly amazing, right? That many of us are still alive when, when you think about this. Now, to all of you Gen Z's out there, you have no idea what this is. Here's what used to happen. Our parents would send us outside in the backyard with these heavy metal-tipped darts that we would throw into the air with no concept of the principle of gravity, right? And so we'd be there with no helmets on, throwing them into the air, and then you look up into the sky to see where it is to realize you've been blinded by the sun, and now you have a decision to make. Do I stay where I am and hope that the breeze doesn't blow it back at me? Or do I run and pray that God doesn't want me yet, right? Like that was the decision with that. Very, very relevant, not effective at all. In fact, people died playing lawn darts. And so they banned them across the US, right? They're, they're no longer a thing. How about this? The Ford Pinto. Super hip, right? Very, very relevant until you got hit from behind and the car exploded, right? Like not very effective on that side. Um, I've got another one. How about the rhythm method? I do not have a picture for that. We are not, we're in church, people. We're not going to, so it was very relevant, but two thirds of our population in Kid City would tell us not very effective, right? And so lots of things that are relevant, not effective. There was also things that were effective, but they weren't very relevant. How about this? The calculator watch. Anyone have one of these? Anyone else lie to your parents and tell them that you lost it, right? So you'd stop getting beat up at school with one, right? Millennials, Gen Zs, again, you have to understand this. Growing up, I had a watch. I had an alarm clock. I had a digital camera. I had a video camera, right? I had a, a wall calendar. I had a photo album. I had a newspaper, a magazine, a book, and a CD player. I had 10 things. You have an iPhone, right? Like that's, it's not, we were effective, but it was not relevant carrying around all of those things with us. Sometimes there are things that are neither relevant or effective, right? They're not either. And I think they're all found at the state fair. Now, just to be clear, <laughs> I love the state fair. I, I really do. But who goes to the state fair to buy a $1,000 mattress, right? Like, I see people carrying stuffed animals on their shoulders. Never a Serta, right? Like, look what I got, right? Good deal on this. Or no one ever goes to the fair to buy new kitchenware or that new powder plant-based diet while they're walking around with a double-dip deep-fried mashed potato with an Oreo shoved in the middle of it, right? Not relevant or effective. Now, I had a great team of staff that actually helped me put some of those together. Matt, our college and young adult pastor, um, he, man, he is very, very effective at coming up with relevant examples. Let me give you one more. How about choosing Mother's Day weekend to teach on this topic? Not very relevant and therefore not very effective. Moms, I, I'm, I'm sorry that this is what we're talking about today. But what we know is true is that there are companies that are scared of becoming irrelevant or ineffective, right? Nonprofits are scared of that. But I would even say this. I think every single one of us is also concerned about that. 
right? This is one of those uh, sources of, of insecurity for us. Nobody wants to be irrelevant. Nobody wants to be ineffective with their lives. That's why we check social media every three minutes to see, did somebody like my post, right? Am I still relevant? Was that, was that an effective comment to make? It's why we buy bigger and newer and flashier and shinier things, because we all have a desire to be relevant. We all have a desire to be effective. Now, let me answer the question, is this value biblical? And here's my answer to that, absolutely. In fact, I would say there was no one more relevant or effective than Jesus. He is the ultimate example of this. And just think about the, the things that he taught, right? The stories that Jesus would teach, he would constantly use examples that were relevant to his audience, to that crowd, to the people around him. In fact, if you want a proof of this, go to Matthew chapter 13. Six times in that chapter alone, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like and then he gives six different examples. So just in case you were there in the crowd and you're like, no, I don't know that one. I don't get that one. I don't understand that. Oh, that one I get, right? Jesus was very, very relevant. He regularly challenged the religious people that thought they were good enough. The ones that, that were making up laws to try and keep people far from God, from getting to God, right? The ones that were judging other people, Jesus challenged them on a regular basis. But he also spoke with grace and mercy to those who knew that they needed a savior, those that had been rejected by everybody else, right? Those that had been labeled by others. The way he treated women and children, the Samaritans and, and the Gentiles, right? Those of different ethnicities, different cultures, different races. Jesus broke culture in all of those things. The way that he treated them, the conversations that he had with them, the way that he submitted to local government, and yet never compromised his obedience to God ever by doing that. Every time you read Jesus say this, you've heard it said, but I tell you. What that is, is that is Jesus being countercultural. He's literally taking things and turning them upside down. You guys have been living this way. But what I want to tell you is that this is how God wants you to live. This is where you're going to find your best life. How about Jesus' healings and, and, and his miracles? Right? You think of the people that he, he healed. He healed blind people. He healed the lame, people with bleeding issues, skin conditions, paralysis. Jesus freed people from oppression and from depression. He even raised people from the dead. You look at even last week, right? We talked about a story where before Jesus healed somebody physically, he recognized that the greatest need that every single one of us has is a spiritual concern, right? It's a spiritual need for forgiveness. And that's what Jesus provided for everybody. Don't forget him feeding thousands of people who were hungry multiple times. He saved fishermen who were drowning a couple times, one by walking on water, another by controlling the weather. He saved a social disgrace by turning water into wine. So many examples of how relevant and effective Jesus was. Now, I know some of you are skeptical, right? And so here's where the skeptics are going, okay, Donnie, here, actually, we got you, right? You actually walked right into your own trap. Sure, Jesus was relevant, Jesus was effective, but Jesus was God, right? And, and so we can't live up to that standard. I can't do miracles. I mean, I wish I could. I'd be invited to all the parties. If I was at a party and someone said, hey, can someone go get me that? And I could walk across the pool to go get it, right? Like that would be a cool thing. Or ladies, if you went to, to girls night with a six pack of Fiji water and then turned it into Zinfandel, right? Like you'd be invited back every single time. I can't do miracles. So Jesus' standard is impossible. Well, let me show you this. Look at Jesus' last words to his disciples. And really his last words to us. And you know, right, if someone is sharing their last words that these are important, this matters, this is significant. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples 
of all nations. Jesus' final words was to go make disciples, guys. This is the most effective thing that we can do with our lives. And so let me show you how we can do that in a very relevant way. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We're going to put it up on the side screens. You can follow along online as well. Um, but let me, while you're turning there, Paul wrote this letter. He once hated Christians, and then he became a Christian, right? He planted a bunch of churches, started a bunch of churches, and then he wrote this letter to this church in Corinth. And really what he gives us is a, a blueprint on how to be relevant and, and effective. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, beginning at verse 1. He said this, Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? I mean, isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Even if others think that I'm not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I am the Lord's apostle. See, what's happening here is, is Paul is putting together his resume, right? He's like, guys, do you remember when I told you that? Do you remember that time that I was with you and, and we did that? And he's listing all of these things. Right? We've all put resumes together at times in our lives. Right? If you're a high school student, you want to get into the college of your dreams, so you put down your GPA and your, the AP classes that you took, right? your SAT scores, your extracurriculars, the sports teams that you were a part of. If, you, if you're a college student, you're looking for that, that first job in your, in your field, right? in, in your dream career, and you begin to put things together as well. Here's my internships, my accomplishments, my strengths, my weaknesses. Here's where I volunteered and served in the community. For those of us that are looking for a promotion in our company, right? You're going to list the things that you've done for the company, right? The teams that you've been a part of, how you've helped the, the, the company grow, the statistics that show under your leadership, things have been incredibly healthy. If you're a wife and you're trying to show how much your husband has grown, right? You're going to say things like, well, he may not look all that impressive to you standing here, but believe me, from where he started, he has come a long way, right? Like this is a, this is a big improvement. Finally, to all the moms, your resume is very, very simple. Three words. I gave birth, right? That's it. You win, hands down, greatest resume of, of anyone. Some of you weren't even satisfied doing it once. You did it multiple times. Some of you became a stepmother, foster mother. Some of you have adopted. Some of you have been through more testing than a NASA rocket scientist, right? Just to become a parent. And to all of you moms, we want to say thank you. Outside of Jesus, there is no one more relevant and, and effective than moms in our lives. But here's what Paul discovered. He discovered something. He discovered, you know what? It wasn't enough just to have a great resume. You ever had a great resume, a great list of, of qualifications and apply for a job and, and still not get it? I, I've, I've experienced that. I mean, that's what Paul's saying here, right? It's not enough just to list all of the things that I've done and all of the things that I taught you and all of the ways that, that I showed Jesus to you because people aren't just going to automatically follow you and, and become a follower of Jesus just because of what you've done. And so look what Paul does. Skip down to verse 19 and he says this. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. And even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so that I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. What he's saying here is that I didn't go my own way. I didn't compromise my beliefs. I didn't compromise the teachings of Scripture, my relationship with Jesus. 
I obeyed the law of Christ. But when I'm with the weak, those who are weak, I share their weaknesses. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessing. So here's what Paul would say. When I walk into a culture, when I go to work on Monday, when I go to school, right, and hang out with my friends or after school at practice, when I go to the grocery store, when a new neighbor moves into town, I accommodate people. I love people. I serve people. I'm willing to learn their language, right? I'm willing to read their books. I listen to their bands. I watch their film because I want to figure out what their hopes are and their dreams and their fears. I'm never going to judge somebody prematurely, right? I'm not going to write them off just because of the way they look or the, the, what they drive or the, or the kind of music they listen to. I'm not going to do that. I want to get to know them. I want to figure out who they are. Why? Paul, why would you do that? So I can find a creative way to tell them about Jesus. But why, Paul? Why would you do that? To win as many as possible. See, that was Jesus' goal. That was Paul's goal. Guys, that needs to be our goal. In fact, I would challenge that there's nothing more relevant or effective than that with our lives. We want to win as many as possible. Not, not just as many are convenient, not just as many as, as we can manage, not just the people that are like me and I think I would have interest with, not, not just them, as many as possible. There's a story in the Gospels where, where Jesus is looking over Jerusalem and, and, and he's so broken by the way that people are living and the brokenness of their lives that it says that he literally wept over that city. See, we have to look around at our communities. The million plus people that live in the triangle that don't know Jesus. For those of you watching online, whether you're in New Jersey or California or Canada, the people around you, the people in your communities, in your neighborhood, in your city. We have a partner church in, in Haiti that is trying to change the fabric of the entire nation of Haiti. Billions of people around the world who don't know Jesus. We want to see as many of them meet Jesus as possible. Right? We want to have him forgive their sins. We want them to connect with the living God, to be filled with God's spirit inside of them so they can be empowered to live the life that God called them to live so that they can be a part of this same mission with us. So Paul says to the Jews, I lived like a Jew. It meant no ham sandwiches. That's fine. I'll just get, I'll get turkey at Jersey Mike's, right? Like that's no big deal. I can sacrifice that. To the Gentiles, I focused on the stuff that, that mattered to them. I didn't need to, but the goal wasn't me, right? It wasn't about me. It was about reaching them. To the weak, I became weak like they did. Why? Well, here's the bottom line. Here's what Paul was saying. I tried to be as relevant as possible, to as many as possible, and to be as effective as possible so that as many could meet Jesus as possible. If Paul were alive today, I'm pretty sure he'd start listening to country music, right? And so he'd probably have to go buy a dog and figure out how to do a, a Carolina squat on his camel, right? Uh, I'm not sure how easy that would be. But why? You'd have, Paul, why would you do that? To be as relevant as possible, to as many as possible, and to be as effective as possible, to help as many meet Jesus as possible. We live in the RTP, right? There's a lot of, lot of tech stuff around here. I'm sure Paul would study. He would listen to their podcasts, right? He would read their blogs. He would study their projects. Why? To be as relevant as possible to as many as possible and to be as effective as possible to help as many meet Jesus as possible. For the Gen Zs on TikTok, 
he wouldn't go on there, right? Because no one over 30 should be on, on TikTok. But he would hire someone, right, to go do the dances for them. And for the families, he would talk about marriage and kids and parenting. For those in, in business leaders, he would do financial seminars and connect them back to God. For the environmentalists, he would talk to them about the creator since they love his creation so much. Why? To be as relevant as possible. And to, be as, uh, to help as many as possible and to be as effective as possible to help to as many meet Jesus as possible. I love what Eugene Peterson wrote in, in his translation of, of, of this passage in 1 Corinthians 9. He says this in the message, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. But I entered their world and I tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. Think about this. I mean, just in, in your neighborhood, right? Whether it's the apartment complex you live in, whether it's the condos, right, and the people that you share walls with or the condo across the street from you, whether it's in your cul-de-sac or in your neighborhood, the neighbors beside you, the three or four houses across the street from you, are they all the same? I mean, does everybody have the same job, the same family dynamics, the same heritage, the same interests, the same beliefs? I guarantee they don't even all cheer for the same college team, right? Or, or the same professional team. Like, th those aren't even the same things. Any chance you could apply this passage here? Any chance that you could figure out, how do I have conversations with that neighbor who's so good at taking care of their lawn, right? I wonder if I could have conversations about how to, how to make my lawn look like their lawn. And that guy, even though he's a Carolina fan, right? Like, uh, how do I have a conversation with him and, and show him that he's wrong or, or whatever that, that may be in his life? How do we have those conversations? How about at work, in your office, on the team that you're a part of, in those Zoom calls with, with, with those coworkers? Are they all identical? Does everybody have the same political views? That may be too soon to start talking about that one still, right? But how do we find that common ground? For those of you that are students at school, in your class, on your team, how do we build those relationships? How do we make those connections with others? See, I think the most relevant and effective thing that we can do is to find common ground so that we can share the gospel with people, so that we can show and share who Jesus is in our lives. We have one of the most unique opportunities in the, in the history of, I think, the world, because people are so hungry right now for spiritual things. They are looking for truth. And guys, the incredible part is that we have the answer. It's the gospel of Jesus. There is nothing more relevant than that. There is nothing more effective than the gospel of Jesus. Uh, it's a bold statement, but I really believe it. I think it's a sin if we are not relevant and effective with the gospel of Jesus. We can't hold on to it. We can't keep it to ourselves. Yes, it changed my life, but I don't know that I want to go across the street and have that conversation. I don't know that I'm willing to risk things getting a little awkward at work or at school. I'm just going to keep that to myself. That's a sin. Now, let me give you a couple observations from this passage. Here's the first. We contextualize the gospel. We don't compromise it. See, I truly believe this. Everything can either be rejected, received, or redeemed. As we walk into those kind of conversations, as we begin to love people, serve people where they are, we walk into their culture, into their context. We've got to figure out, are these things that, that we need to reject? Are there things that we need to um, receive? Or are there things that we need to redeem in this? Here's what I mean by that. Reject. There are things in our culture that we just have to reject as Bible-believing followers of Jesus. But let me be very clear. 
That's never people. We never reject people. But we may reject some of the behavior, some of the things that are happening in our culture. Let me give you a couple of examples, right? There's no such thing as Christian drug dealers, right? We're, we're not gonna, that's not a thing, right? There's no crystal meth users for Christ ministry, right? Like that's, you're not gonna find that on the website to the crackheads, I became a crackhead, right? Like that's not a thing. And I'm not making light of it, I'm really not. It doesn't mean that we don't love them where they are. It doesn't mean that we don't serve them and help them and come alongside. But it also doesn't mean that we have to join in and do it right? There's no such thing as Christian axe murderers, right? Like that's not a thing. There are things in our culture that we reject. And I know some of you are thinking, yeah, but Donnie, hold on. You said, Paul said that I'm going to do whatever to reach as many as possible. Yeah, but not things that are evil, not things that hurt people, not things that go against the, the teachings of the Bible. See, we can hang out with without becoming like. That's possible. Here's the second thing. Sometimes we need to receive things. I think there's a lot of things in our world, in our culture that we can receive as is. There are a lot of people and organizations in our community that we can partner with to make our communities better, to, to help other people. You've heard us talking a lot lately about fostering hope. That's not a new thing for us in terms of we didn't create the foster care system, right? We are partnering with agencies in our community. We're partnering with other churches incredible people that are loving and serving these children who are so vulnerable, these families that are in desperate need. And we look at that and we receive that. We embrace that, right? We say that we want to help that be as effective as possible. And so we're going to come alongside of that. Why? Because it's, it's a biblical value. People are made in the image of God. It doesn't matter if they believe in Jesus yet or know Jesus. They have value because God made them and God loves them. So we are going to come alongside and we're going to make that as effective as possible. We receive that. There are things in our culture that we have to try to redeem. Things that in and of themselves, they're not good or evil, right? Things that God created or things that God allowed, but our culture has taken them and they've twisted them and turned them into things that they were never really intended to be. Things like sex or alcohol or money or, or even the family. And so how do we take those things and how do we begin to, to redeem them, to bring them back to what God intended from the beginning? See, we contextualize the gospel. We don't compromise it. Here's the second observation. Our mission stays the same, but our methods need to change. See, do you want to know what gets in the way of change? It's a thing called tradition. And there are so many churches that are, are more concerned about their past than they are their children, right? The future and what's going to happen next. So many that say, we don't want to change. Well, guess what? It's a sin not to change. If our high school ministry here at Hope, if it still looks like it did when I led it like a hundred years ago, that's a problem, right? If we're still singing the same songs we sang 10 years ago or even five years ago or maybe even a year ago, if we want to be effective, we have to be relevant with our culture. Our kid city, our children's ministry, it should look different now that we have four campuses than it did when we had one campus. Was it great when we had one? Yes. Should it be great now that we have four? Yes. Is it okay that it looks a little different? Yes. Because children are dealing with different issues and different things in their lives. It has to adapt. It's got to look different when it's at four campuses than it would when it was at one. Someone... Um, Someone asked me once, and, and my, my guess is that they came from a pretty traditional kind of church, and they came up and asked me and, and said, Donnie, why is it that you don't wear a robe? And I said, well, that's easy. 
It's because I'm not a Jedi Knight, right? Like, that's why I don't wear a robe. I, things change. We don't just always do the things that we've always done. Now, if it will reach more people, give me a bathrobe, and I will put that thing on right now, and I'll wear it every single week, right? But that's, things have to change in what we do. The mission doesn't change. We love people where they are. We encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus. The message of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus never changes. But you know what? Our methods, they have to change. If we're going to continue to be effective, if we're going to continue to be relevant, if we're going to continue to reach people in our communities and around the world, we have to be willing to change things regularly. Why? Bottom line, to be as relevant as possible to as many as possible and to be as effective as possible to help as many meet Jesus as possible. That's why we do it. So maybe you're asking, okay, what do I do? Donnie, what, what, what do I do this week? How, how do I play this out in my life? Let me give you two things. Here's the first. First is be relevant and effective in our church. Now, let me just talk to those of you online for just a second. Some of you are online and you're still in our community. You're still a part of, of hope. If you're online and, and you just haven't come back yet because it's just kind of gotten convenient, right? We need you to come back. You need to come back, right? We need to be a part of this together. But for those of you that you can't come back right now because of, of health things and, and safety concerns and there are issues and things, we're not going anywhere online. But here's my challenge to you. You need to be a part of the church. There still are ways that you can serve, that you can make a difference and an impact here at Hope and in our community. For those of you watching online out of state, in New Jersey or California, wherever that is, here's what I would challenge you. You can still be a part of Hope. We're not getting rid of you, but go find a local church in your community and go be a part of that. You don't have to tell them that you still watch us. You can take what you learn from here and you can help apply it there, but go be a part of a local church and make a difference in your community. Guys, we need all of us to contextualize the gospel to our kids, to, to our students in our student ministry, to our college and, and young adults, right? We need to come alongside marriages that are stressed and broken, or maybe just a little bit younger than ours, and come alongside and encourage and help them. We've got to come alongside people who are younger in their faith journey and mentor and, and coach them. We can be a part of the financial classes that we have. For some of you, this would be a great way for you to help people find freedom in their finances and to use them in a godly way. You can serve through our local hope ministries, right? Where you can be a part of collecting and sorting and distributing uh, clothes and toys and food and, and, uh, and school supplies. Or you can just be a part of local hope in our, in our initiatives and in our relationships with local schools to help students grow in their education needs. Families with special needs. You can help us create incredible environments for those who come for the very first time in our First Impressions ministry or, or with our recovery ministries or our freedom ministries or our prayer ministries. See, the Bible teaches this. Every, every believer, when we say yes to Jesus, the, the Spirit of God takes residence inside of us, lives inside of us. And one of the things that he does is he gives us all at least one spiritual gift. And what God does is he takes that gift, right? And he mixes it with our passions and with our personalities and with our experiences. And he creates this unique gift mix within us so that we can discover the significant purpose that God created us for. Leon's talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to that message. We need you to discover and to develop and to deploy the unique gifting that God has given to you because you have no idea how God could use you to impact the lives of others. I truly believe serving others is one of the most relevant and effective things that we can do with our lives. And let me just tell you this. We've got a thing coming up in two weeks called Serve Connect. 
This is something that we do here at Hope on, on a regular basis. And it's going to be an opportunity for you to get connected to one of our local ministries. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to pray about this. Not pray whether should I do it or, or not. That's not what I'm asking you to pray about. You should do it. We need you to do it. You need to do it. What I'm going to ask you to pray about is this. God, would you show me with the gifts that you've given me, how can I best serve you? What ministry should I say yes to where I can have the biggest impact for your kingdom? Here's the second one, is that we be relevant and effective in our community. See, we need to live the gospel. We follow Paul's example and we make disciples with our neighbors, with our friends, coworkers, students that we hang out with, everyone in the triangle. See, guys, we don't need, we don't need Christian organizations. We need Christians living on mission in organizations. We need Christians who are accountants, they love Jesus and they want to show and share the gospel of Jesus with other people. We need artists that love Jesus. We need teachers. We need lawmakers. We need coaches. They love Jesus. And I want to show and I want to share the gospel of Jesus with everyone that I come in contact with. So let me ask this question. Who do you know? Who do you work with? Who, who do you hang out with that needs the hope of Jesus the same way that he's changed your life? Campus pastors, were, uh, we were hanging out on Monday, and, uh, and it was so cool. We were just talking about some of the simple things that we've done. Uh, mowing someone's lawn, taking someone's trash out, making meals for people who, who had a need, and how through simple things like that, right, it led to conversations, it's led to people starting to come to hope, it's led to lives being changed for eternity. Guys, I, I want to tell you this, the most relevant and effective thing that you have to offer is the gospel of Jesus lived out of your life. We want to be as relevant as possible, to as many as possible, and to be as effective as possible to help as many meet Jesus as possible. And I think out of that, we're going to find the most relevant and effective life that we've ever lived in our lives. Let's, let's pray together. God, I just want to say thank you 2,000 years ago, you looked down at the mess of this world and you said, I have, I have a solution. And God, it was relevant and it was effective. Jesus, you gave up your life for ours so that we could be brought back into a relationship with you. God, that our lives could be transformed. They could be changed. We could be forgiven. We could have hope that, God, we know one day we're going to spend eternity with you in heaven, but hope now that, God, you are with us, that you live inside of us, that our lives are different, and that, that God, we have a purpose to everything that we do now. Father, for those of us that have experienced that hope, would you help us to, to live in a way that God shows and shares that hope with others? Father, it truly is a sin to hold that in. Jesus, you said it. You don't have a light and then cover it up. So God, we want to let that light, the light of Jesus, shine into this world. Father, help us to be relevant and effective in our church. God, help us to say yes to, to serving you and serving others, using the unique gifting you have given us to make a difference, to make an impact to contextualize the gospel for those that need to hear it right here in our church. And then, Father, would you help us to be relevant and effective in our community? Help us to take that same gospel, Father, and help us to live it in a way 
the Father that shows you, that brings you the glory that you deserve. So the Father, as many as possible, could meet you. And maybe, God, maybe their lives would be changed just like, just like ours was. God, we thank you. We love you. We pray all this in your perfect name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We appreciate you joining us as we tackle issues facing our modern world from a biblical perspective. To make sure you don't miss a message, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you're new to Hope and want to check out what we're about and how to be a part of our community, go to our next steps at gethope.net slash next. Let us know your story because we'd love to connect with you.